everyone and welcome to another Scots Way podcast and today I'm joined by writer and journalist Nick Holdstock. Hello Nick. Hello there. And Nick's here to talk about his novel Quarantine which for the video version I'll hold up my copy. How do you describe quarantine to people Nick? Wow nice easy one eh to start with. Um... Yeah, I, I, my job, I should be doing it, but I'm, in, I'm genuinely interested. It's such a kind of different novel, I think. Well, you know, I sort of, I told them that it's a book about a post-pandemic kind of society. Um, and, you know, I can't, I sort of try and stress the fact that it's post. You know, yeah. it's not a sort of a Station Eleven kind of, everyone is dying all around us, sort of panic and breakdown kind of thing. It's about, you know, reconstruction and recovery after that process and about what, what that looks like and the way that it's possible and the ways that it's not impossible, but 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 the way that it's hampered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why did you want to write it? Is it a kind of response to what we've just been through or was it something that you maybe already had in your mind? Well, I wrote most of it long before I mean, anybody thought that we were likely to have a pandemic like this. I guess I wrote most of it in sort of 2016, 2017. And, you know, sort of the pandemic was really kind of a device in order to sort of, um, to sort of, uh, to trigger, if you like, change in both individuals and in, in a sort of wider society. Um, you know, like in my, my first novel, uh, which was uh, The Casualties, you know, there, there's like kind of a great kind of planet altering event. And it's about sort of, you know, how that then changes sort of the, the future destiny of humanity. This is a little bit less grand, but, um, but I guess that some of those questions are sort of still there about, you know, like you look at either yourselves or at sort of the wider society, and there are lots of problems and we're all sort of aware of the imperfections. And there's a desire in all of us at every level to sort of, improve or, or 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 deal with things and sort of change and yet it's very difficult to do that you know there are systemic and individual levels of resistance you know so so how do you get past those things and how do you you know how do you make some some god forbid progress you know and it's interesting because i think people like myself and this has happened with other books that I've read and also music that's been made, which seems you start to read in that this is a response to, to COVID. Um, has that been something that people have said or they, they've just assumed that this is your COVID novel? I think it's inevitable that people are gonna talk about it in that way, you know, and um, I think it's sort of a bit of a blessing and a curse really for me, you know, cause it, cause it, you know, inevitably it's gonna be foregrounded and then there's no way that, you know, it's definitely read differently as a result of what we've all been through. Yeah. Um, and on the plus side, it probably has some resonance in, in some ways that you might not have had otherwise. You know, some of the things that are in the book that I had, that I sort of imagined before I sort of lived through them. And it's sort of interesting to come back to them, you know, sort of now and think, Oh, I guess I was horribly, that makes sense to me, you know, those things. Um, but on another level, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, the pandemic novel is probably already an over, overdone genre already at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, so there will be people who will be like, I don't, I've lived through it. I don't want to even, even go near a novel that has any even tangential relation to it. 
So yeah, I think I think it's, it's mixed for me. I was going to ask you about the response because one of the things I thought was it kind of says things might be bad or that they're not as bad as this. In, you know, in the novel, it's not got to that stage yet. Uh, um, was, how have other people responded to it? I, uh, like, I mean, the pandemic is much worse in the book. So, so there is that sort of, I guess, slight sort of comfort. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's quite early. The book hasn't been out that long. So like people haven't, you know, really had much of a chance to come up to me and say, oh, that was how it was for me, or that's how it is for me now. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of response, it's sort of, it's, a, it's kind of too soon to say. Okay, okay, that's interesting. I have written a, a, a review of it, I have to say, for Snack Magazine, which will be out quite soon. And uh, it's all positive, I can let you know that. But uh, it's, it was interesting to think closely about it, to review it, and make sense, because you are kind of bringing your own experience to the novel in a way that is very rare with other novels, you know, you read fiction in particular and you think, well, you know, sometimes there's something which is close to you, but the fact that everyone has in some level gone through what your book is responding to, or, you know, the aftermath of that, or is going through it now is rare. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you know, like in the book, it's sort of, sort of set five years after the pandemic ends. So the dust has sort of settled a little bit and there's sort of at least a, a stronger sort of semblance of normality. With us, I mean, I mean, firstly, we're not really even out of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in my opinion, you know. Um, so there's that. And I think it's probably too soon for us to say the ways in which we've actually been changed. And, you know, um, I mean, there are sort of, certainly there are things you can, the easy things are things like, how much do we work in the office now? How much do we work from home? I think we can all see that that that's definitely there's been it's been a change that probably won't be reversed. But in terms of, I don't know, like the sort of the sense of security we all have, and whether that's really come back. I, I mean, that's that's another sort of interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, my feeling right now is that we're sort of we're we're sort of on a bit of a funny sort of tightrope at the moment in terms of looking forward and looking over our shoulder at the same time. Yeah, I think that's very true. We just don't know what's coming next and that, you know, brings its own stresses. I'm interested in the structure of the book because you've got two narrators, Lucas and Rebecca. Um, what can you tell us about them and their kind of situations without giving, you know, spoilers away? I mean, okay, so Rebecca is uh, a virologist in New York, you know, who worked on the vaccine for the, for the virus. And... Um, you know, she is, she's a very sort of capable, um, sort of, uh, sort of controlled person who, um, it, you know, very much sort of doesn't quite believe that things are over, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, even though she's arguably closest to, to, to the proof that things are, are much better, she's also almost the greatest sort of skeptic, if you like, of, of recovery. Um, and so, so for her, really, the problem is hope, you know, like she's surrounded by everybody else who's hopeful and yet she can't quite muster that level of hope. And then to some degree, the inverse is Lucas in a, in a sort of, a, if you like, a quarantine camp in, in, in the mountains in Central Asia, who, who has the disease, is one of the few last few hundred people who has the disease for which there isn't a cure. And 
you know, like his, his prospects and those around him are not very good at all. And, you know, like he's arguably in a much worse situation. And yet he's much more hopeful than Rebecca about, about the, the direction of, of his life, you know. And yeah, so he's kind of struggling to almost or refusing to even consider that, that things might not be okay. Yeah. Um, so they're sort of set up at sort of a, almost slightly a sort of mirrors of each other slightly. Because the, the yeah, I'm not going to see what happens at the end, but did you know that the end would come right from the beginning? Did you have that set out? I I mean, I had, a, I had an end and then, you know, in the process, the ends, ends kind of change and they morph and um, the story gets bigger and the story sort of contracts. Um, I mean, there was some, I think sort of the general arc of the yeah. characters was probably there from, probably there from the beginning. Right. Um, yeah, and then the way that the plot is just really in the service of that kind of thing. And I was wondering how you actually wrote it. Was it a case that you said, here's Rebecca's story and you wrote that, or was it, were you jumping between the two characters as we do as readers? I think that initially uh, I wrote most of it and I kind of jumped between them. And then, uh, and then I wrote sort of some of the book later, I did some work to it later. And for that, I wrote them, I wrote them kind of in, in separate chunks. Right. Um, and probably in retrospect, probably it's much easier to sustain different voices if you're staying within, within them and you're not jumping around. You're not thinking, oh, this person is trying to use American English and this person is using some slightly Europeanized kind of English, you know. So in terms of sort of even consistency and, um, you know, like Rebecca is a, you know, she's a very smart person, but she's she's not from the humanity. She doesn't have that background, so mm -hmm. she doesn't necessarily speak the way that's the way that Lucas would speak, who has a, is a sort of humanities scholar. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of sort of the writing and then the voice, um, you know, I, I mean, probably the, the the best way is to try and write them separately. But but in terms of trying to sort of in terms of trying to get like trying to in terms of trying to sort of bounce them off each other, if you like. On a sort of thematic or level, it's uh, it's easier to write them together. So there isn't there isn't sort of a perfect way to do it. And because they are two very distinct, not just distinct voices, but distinct worlds that that they're in. Um, and if we can go on to talk about the kind of camp life for Lucas, when I when we start reading these sections, I was taken back to Hobbes' idea of the state of nature being nasty, brutish, and short. And it seems that these camps almost, you know, that's a good description of what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, they're in, I mean, if you put if you put a lot of people in a place who maybe don't have many many prospects and much control, uh, then you know, like all kinds of impulses are going to come out and they're not going to be checked. Uh, like you know, if 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 you're with a bunch of people who don't think they have very long left, you know, then arguably there's there's not necessarily much reason why they they should, I suppose, um, keep staying control if you like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, they're in they're in they're in a situation that's quite sort of exceptional, if you like. Um, and I mean, I, there's, there's kind of a hint, sort of in the book, that, that the previous camps they were in were actually much worse. Yeah. You know. Um, so th so this is almost kind of the slightly better version of of, of the camps for them. 
And as you say, I mean, throughout the whole book, there is this hope, despite everything that's going on. And I take it that was important for you to to get, you know, get out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously, I could just write a book that's entirely bleak all the way through. And maybe when I was younger, I might have, have written a book where it just ends like ends on the same dark way. But it's, I think it's like, I think you're sort of missing an opportunity to try and at least suggest what some what some kind of recovery could be you know like I mean I don't think you have any obligation to provide sort of happy endings or anything no. like that no and I don't think I don't think there are happy endings to, to certain kinds of stories but um but I think for a narrative that's interesting there has to be some some development at least you know and if, if everything just stays bleak on the same level throughout a novel that can be quite a long journey yeah you know? Because there is real here kind of humanity and forgiveness and 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 a, as you say development in a lot of the characters, um, even though the things that they may are you know are being forgiven for are, are horrific. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I mean there has to be limits to sort of recovery yeah. and forgiveness and things like that. But at the same time, um, you know, if you want to read it to have to sort of believe in the characters and to be able to connect to them. You don't have to like them, but you have to at least find them plausible, I think. Yeah. Um, then there has to be some sort of development and you have to see the complexity of, 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 of characters and people. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's, it's not true and it's also not very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm interested because you've traveled and written about China uh, quite widely. And we hear about re-education camps and internment camps and things like that. Did your work and the non-fiction feed into quarantine? Um, I don't think it consciously did. I mean, you know, I, I mean, in terms of, in terms of the idea of, I mean, you know, like the re-education camps in China are, you know, no one is there like voluntarily, mm -hmm. you know, um, whereas, you know, oddly of the people in those camps in the book are, are sort of did initially choose to be there. Even, they might want to leave now, but, but they did initially choose to come there. Um, but on kind of on a, on a deeper level, you know, I probably through the journalism, I did sort of probably have to at least imagine sometimes, you know, what it might be like to feel that sense of powerlessness, you know, and, you know, there is, you know, more and more sort of firsthand testimony from people in China who have been in these camps. So I think on a, I think in my own imagination of that was no doubt informed by the very real kind of ordeal that those people sort of have been through. As an aside, were you in China at all during the pandemic or even recently? No, I haven't been there for a little while. Um, um, no, and um, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be back there that soon. It does. I mean, not even as a tourist. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not a good place to be right now in any way, um, and very hard to work there as a journalist right now. Right. I uh, I wonder that because to me. It does seem like quite a brave place for a journalist to write about. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that I mean, I think journalists are most sort of non 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 Chinese national journalists in China are not are not generally in that much danger. You right. know, I think the worst that happens to most non Chinese journalists in China is that they get either deported. Right. Um, you know, they might be harassed a little bit by the police. They might be followed a bit. But it, but it's but the risks for most most uh, non Chinese journalists are 
much much smaller than than a, a Chinese national, for example, mm -hmm. um, which is not true of 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 many other regimes where many much would treat journalists much more harshly, yeah. foreign journalists much harshly. Sure. So you, I mean, do you know how China responded to the pandemic that, of course, um, you know, sort of started there? Um, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously, I've read it like everybody else. The yeah. kind of sort of the initial sort of denial of, of stuff in Wuhan, and then once that once there was sort of the sense that things couldn't be controlled, then the you know the sort of the 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 the, the, the sort of the, the restrictions that were put in that went so far beyond anything that that we saw in this country, you know, mm -hmm. the, the the literal lockdown of, of of places, you know, to the point where people were really not allowed to leave their homes. And, and technology was used as part of that in a way that wasn't done here. Um, and, you know, like just, we've just seen recently in Shanghai, you know, where the lockdown has kind of sort of, sort of been was brought back in again and sort yeah. of a, so, so they're in a sort of a, they have a very different model for trying to deal with these things. Um, you know, and, and in the book, I don't, I don't talk about China very much, except for one point where I mentioned that you know that China was able to control its borders very well. Yeah. You know, which I wrote long before before the pandemic. You know, but but did turn out to be true. I mean, um, so so yeah. So that it's sort of yeah. There's, there's a sort of strange sort of slightly unconscious parallel that's going on between the journalism and the fiction. There. Yeah, yeah. And you say you started uh, writing chunks of this in 2016, but when did you finish it? Was that during uh, you know COVID time? Yeah, I mean, you know, like like a lot of writers, you know, I write something and I sort of put it away for a while, um, and um, and I sort of came back to this, if you like, during during the pandemic, and I wrote, I guess, most of the second half of the book during the pandemic. Um, so so yeah, we were very much in the middle of the pandemic when I was was writing it, and you know, I think I think probably the only, as far as I know, the only kind of clues to that are. I think in part two, there's a few phrases that people use that maybe we didn't use before the pandemic. There's a bit where Rebecca is talking in, to someone and she describes people as super spreaders. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think that was, a, that was a phrase I used before the pandemic. Um, so there are a few little ways that the second part is kind of marked by the time I was writing it. Um, but but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the timeline of it. Did you think when everything was starting to lock down and it was clear that this was a pandemic, did you think, that reminds me of something I've got in my drawer, <laughs> was that part of it? I mean, you know, like the, the, the writing and the publication process are very, both quite separate, strange things. Yeah. Um, and um, it did occur to me that, that, that maybe there would be some, some interest at this point but it also occurred to me that, that people, again, during the pandemic might not want to even consider commissioning a book about that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, we talk about things being too soon. Well, it's definitely too soon when you're in the, when it's still happening, kind of. Um, so, so it did, it did kind of, it did occur to me. Um, and I guess I met, I met both reactions. I, I got some interest from some people and some other people were like, absolutely not right now, you know. Um, it's, yeah. that, it's really interesting because I know that that publishing side of things can take a while, you know, people to obviously read it and then you get editing and all of that stuff. So it would take, I guess, someone quite brave, I mean, or risky, so let's put it that way, to say, 
do you think this people are going to be in for this? Because people could be, this is the last thing I want. Yeah, and I, th I still feel that I, there is that sort of, you know, it could go both ways kind of thing in terms of how, how the, whether there's sort of the interest there is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, publishing as an author, you sort of, you have a sense of how publishers make their decisions, but you don't, you're not, you're not, on, you're not on the inside in the same way. Yeah. So, you know, there is a great deal of, of chance in terms of, the, of what's going on, not just in the world, but in terms of within publishing. Yeah. And, and they're not always the same things, you know, so, um, so yeah, you do need, you do need, a, you need a certain, the time has to be right, you know, mm. in some ways, um, whatever you're publishing. Um, so I, so I, I think it's always important as a writer to take a very long view of anything you write and think, you know, you might be happy with it, but again, the time may not be right and it may have to live in a drawer for a while. Yeah, I, I was um, chairing a panel of, uh, there was three writers and then there was the three editors um, as well. And we talked about the relationship there and all three of them said how big a thing luck and chance played in them actually, you know, first getting published. Absolutely. Um, you know, it can really just be that that you run into the right person somewhere or somebody hears you do a reading or you write a piece for somewhere and that and that strikes a chord with the right person at the right time. And, you know, and there's a lot of serendipity involved in there. But on the other side of that, there's no way you're going to have good luck if you don't keep, if you're, if you're not patient and you keep trying. So that's what you have to tell yourself anyway, in terms of taking the long view of things. You know, like, I mean, when you're in your 20s, you might think, oh, you know, you just write a great book and then you get an, get an agent and then you get published and it's all wonderful. And that does happen to people, but not, 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 it's not really the, the main story. It's not many. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. And you mentioned your... Um, First novel, The Casualties, it sounds as fascinating as quarantine. Could you talk a little bit about that and how you came to be published yourself? Well, that is that is an Edinburgh novel, mm -hmm. uh, um, which is, uh, is, is basically about Stockbridge, where I used to work in a bookshop. And the main character of that is a guy who works in a bookshop. And the book is essentially uh, somebody looking back on our time now from quite far in the future, you know, and trying to sort of, trying to almost explain what it was like to people say, you know, 60, 70 years from now, what our world was like, you know, and that, and it's, it's clear, it becomes clear that, that there's, there's been great sort of things have happened that have radically changed the whole world. And in a way that the way that we live now become is unthinkable for those people and almost, you know, almost, almost almost unfathomable to them in some ways and so it sort of follows the stories of a number of people uh in you know in and around Stockbridge uh sort of during kind of the last the last weeks of sort of a certain era in yeah. you know in 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 the world um and I'm not sure what else to say about it without without spoilers um and yeah so it's, a, it's it's about sort of again about change and it's also about how you how you make a story about yourself and about the past and um the things that you leave out to do that to tell those stories uh, and was fiction something you'd always written um or was this you know the first time that you decided i'm going to try and write a novel 
oh, I think I'd written a few novels before then, which are just on my hard disk somewhere, um, <laughs> you know. Um, so I had a couple of uh, kind of practice runs before, before this one worked out. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think I had to, I think you often you have to write a couple of novels uh, to sort of get a sense of, 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 of almost how, how that, how construction works. And okay. then also you also learn how to edit those novels in a way that's, um, that's effective. You know, it's quite likely that the first novel that I wrote, or I thought all I had to do was fix sentences when I, when I, when, you know, make them nice. Yeah. And then you get the second or third book and you're like, you know, there are larger structural or even narrative things that you have to be willing to, to address if you're going to actually make a novel that works. Yeah. So I think, I think the casualties was the first time I was like, you know, what am I prepared to do to make this book work? Am I prepared to cut huge chunks? Am I, am I prepared to rewrite huge chunks? And, and I, I did do for that book. And yeah, that, that's kind of how, kind of how, how that one came to actually work and get published. So you were almost prepared when you handed it over to a publisher and an editor that yes, I'm willing to make these changes almost um, foreshadowing that they were going to come, that such demands might come. Well, the thing is, I'd already actually done some of that myself. Right. Like I'd already done quite a lot of fairly brutal work to the book before it even got submitted. Right. So, and I think I think once you lose that that sort of slight preciousness mm -hmm. around your work. Then, then you become more open to what an editor can tell you, you know, and, you know, like, and then you sort of have to work, think, you know, well, what is, what, what does the editor actually want? You know, how much do I actually have to do of that? How much of that is useful? And, you know, in my experience, there's kind of a middle ground often between maybe what an editor would like and what you would like. Yeah. And, and you have to, of course, trust the editor as well. Um, and otherwise you just you just couldn't do it even if even if you were desperate to be published i mean it would be awful yeah yeah i think that's interesting i did a little bit of editing in the past and i think that's right that relationship has to be one of trust and and, and is key and so what was the process like with quarantine the editing process i mean i i did have to you know i i it was suggested that i that i especially work on on the second part of the book and that maybe I had not provided enough kind of closure, you know, sort of to things. Um, you know, and then I sort of had to go and think about, you know, what what that might mean in terms of like the narrative and the arcs. And it turned out that I, in, I'd actually had quite a lot of planning that I'd actually made that I just hadn't really implemented. You know, I, for some reason, I'd kind of been holding back some things. And I, I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe my book fin will finish here. Right. And I kind of not used a lot of the material. I'd sort of maybe kind of ended it a little prematurely. And then through conversations with my editor, I began to understand that, that actually, you know, there was a little bit further that the book could go to kind of bring it to sort of a bit more fruition on, on character and a narrative level, um, which is all fine. But then you can end up with a book that's a bit too long. Uh, and so then I probably had to do a bit of work on part one as well. Um, but, but part one didn't change too much, actually. The original thing I wrote was more or less intact. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I didn't have too much trouble writing the second part because I think, I think I had everything already there and it's just a matter of, of sort of, of um, sort of bringing things together, if you like. 
Um, so it wasn't torturous or anything. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a very long process. Right. And also a, a quarantine, it's quite a sensitive and in time sensual novel. You know, there's sex and drugs and drink and was it quite exciting to write? <laughs> Well, you know, in, in, the, in the life of a writer, there's none of those things. So, I mean, you know, it's all, <laughs> it's all, it's all vicarious kind of stuff, um, especially during lockdown, I can yeah. tell you. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think those elements are there partly because, you know, that they make sense for the people that are there. Absolutely. And, and I think also as a reader, I, I like things to happen in books. You know, I quite like there to be, you know, um, I do like some some action, if you like, to put it crudely. I do think that, you know, like, I think that there are sort of things that are interesting and enjoyable to read about, you know, which don't happen in our daily lives. And if, if you have a plot and a situation that, that justifies those things so that they're not gratuitous, then then by all means, let's, you know, let's um, let's explore darker or or more sensual kinds of areas. Mm -hmm. And I think it really works in uh, separating the two lives. So you've got this kind of almost sterile uh, environment that Rebecca is in, certainly more controlled. And then you've got the kind of wild times uh, of Lucas and the, you know what he's experiencing in the camp as well. Yeah, I mean, she's very much closed off to almost every kind of sensation, you know, or there's some there's some barrier between her and and almost any any kind of sensory experience, whether it's eating or drinking, or or sex or touching people, you know. So so that was a very sort of controlled. Um, she's very much had a remove from from other people and from and from her own experiences, you know. Whereas Lucas is is you know is is, a, is in a free for all essentially, and it gets more and more as, as the book goes on, you know, like he's. He has less and less barriers to things that he will and will not do and experience, you know. Um, and, you know, and on a physical level, you know, like he goes through like a great deal in the book, you know, like yeah, yeah. In, term, in terms of, you know, if you think of the body as a place of where, I don't know, like you learn things at a physical level, then like he, he goes through a, a quite, a, quite an extreme sort of set of experiences, you know, precisely the things that Rebecca is trying to avoid, you know. So, Nick, what's next for you? Can you tell us, is there an, another novel? I guess you're too close to this one probably for that to think, but yeah, do you have any plans for something? Well, I mean, you know, because I wrote this a while, most of it a while ago, I have a couple of other projects that are sort of, them pretty close to being ready to be, you know, sent to the, the tender mercies of the publishing world, you know, um, so, so uh, yeah, so I mean that is one of the virtues about just getting on with new things. So I do have uh, some other projects, and it sort of, you know, it sort of depends on sort of how that works. Um, but but the next thing I, I sort of try and publish will be a novel, I'm sure. Right. Well, Nick, thanks so much for talking to me today, and all the best of luck for quarantine. It deserves to be read far and wide. I think. Thanks very much. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Mm -hmm.